Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. In this episode, I'm continuing the conversation where I left off in the previous episode, how pain and pleasure determines alignment. Now, I wanted you to listen to the previous episode, but if you haven't, hopefully this will stand on its own. And if you just want an expanded perspective on alignment, what it means to be in alignment and out of alignment, then I suggest you go back and start there first and then listen to this episode. But if you're feeling adventurous and want to throw caution to the wind, then you can proceed with this episode and maybe, just maybe, it'll stand on its own. So with that in mind, I'm going to revisit the definition of what it means to be in alignment. When we're in alignment with an intention, with an outcome, then there is an urging or a pull to move forward. There's no hesitancy. There's the desire, the anticipation. It's almost like we're, we're excited to move forward. We wake up with the excitement to get started or get moving on our project. But if we're feeling hesitant, there's reticence, we're, we're delayed, we're procrastinating, there's any other negative kinesthetic or unpleasant feeling or sensation in the body when you think about the intention, when you start to take action about it, there's a tendency to procrastinate. Or if you're not procrastinating, you're actually taking action. What's missing is the full verb and excitement, the passion for what you're doing. If that's not there, consider that you're not necessarily being congruent, that alignment is missing, that full alignment. You might be leaning in the direction, but you know that you're leaving some gas in the tank, that you could put more into your project. When you're fully committed, when you're fully in alignment, then action seems easy. You don't have to motivate yourself. You don't have to use willpower to take action, to get in motion. It just happens naturally. And so in the last episode, I talked about the three things that are required to accomplish or fulfill on anything. And so in this episode, I'm going to go through a list or a checklist of potential negative sensations, negative feelings, uncomfortable feelings that indicate that you're not in alignment. And then when a particular feeling is present, I'm going to match that with a correlating feeling or the opposite feeling, which will contrast that and bring you into alignment. Now, I'm rather proud of this list, and I think it's really going to be effective as a guide on how to move into alignment faster. So before we get into the list, I'm going to suggest a mindset that as you adopt it is going to make a difference in moving forward towards an intention or an outcome. And that is the idea that any negative kinesthetic, any unpleasant feeling is actually an indicator of an error in your thinking, meaning you're thinking about your intention or the situation in a limiting way. You're thinking about yourself and your capabilities in a limiting way. And when we go against our natural design, as a spiritual being immersed in the human experience, it brings up a negative sensation, a negative feeling. And so the list that we're going to discuss, first I'll introduce you to the negative kinesthetic, the negative sensation, and then how to correct your thinking around that. With that said, I, I, I want to revisit the idea that I, I introduced in the last episode, 
is that when a negative kinesthetic comes up, more than likely it's a sub-personality or a part of you that has a concern. And so we want to check in with our different parts and find out what is the real concern. In honoring that inner voice, honoring that inner concern, then you're in rapport, you're actually honoring yourself, all parts of yourself. Now, the only warning that I have in using this list is to not override that inner communication. So you want to consider it, you want to acknowledge it, and then offer up a new strategy. And then in this new strategy, check in with yourself and make sure all parts of you agree. With that said, let's go in to the list. So the first negative kinesthetic, negative feeling that's on here is overwhelm. When we experience overwhelm, what we're doing is thinking about the totality of the project or totality of like everything we need to do. And there's too many moving parts and we end up with a feeling of being in overwhelm. And so the contrasting feeling that we want to create is that of manageability. To make something manageable, we break it down into smaller component parts, chunking it down into bite-sized pieces. For instance, for me to think about cleaning the garage, it seems a little overwhelming. Now, it feels like I'm always in the thinking of cleaning my garage because my wife puts stuff out there, the kids put stuff out there, I put stuff out there, and we each have a different technique or methodology about what goes where. And so by the time it gets to a point where it feels like I should do something about it, the project almost feels overwhelming. So what I have to do is break it down into smaller pieces. I can think about organizing my tools or getting rid of anything that you know can be thrown away. Or if it's not the actual procedure, I might think about the amount of time it's going to take. And I'll commit 15 minutes or 20 minutes to cleaning the garage. And then if I want to continue, I'll give myself permission to move forward. Or at the end of that 20 minutes, I'll give myself permission to stop and come back another day. But at least I made some progress. The next negative kinesthetic or negative feeling, unpleasant, let's just say unpleasant feeling, is confusion. On the other side of confusion is clarity. So if we're feeling confusion, we need to ask ourselves, do I need a specific plan? Do I need detailed you know, instructions? Do I need to find a teacher or a trainer or a coach? Some mechanism, some process that can assist me in gaining clarity. Now remember, this is associated with an intention or outcome. When we're confused about different aspects of our life, I like to suggest we embrace that confusion, embrace the ambiguity, actually be in the inquiry, wondering what's next. Because often in our life, when we meet up with certain circumstances, the events change, our identity changes, and we're figuring out who we are, there is a certain amount of getting through the going through, and you can be patient with yourself. What I'm talking about here is if you create an intention and there's confusion about the first step to take or the next step to take, that's an indication that we need to develop a plan, adopt a plan, buy a plan, just get a plan. The next unpleasant sensation is ambiguity. Now, this is unpleasant for a lot of people, but the bigger your plan, the bigger your goal, the more ambiguity that's going to be there because there's going to be a lot more moving parts that you're not necessarily going to be really certain about how it's going to all transpire. And so if it's relatively small, if there's a series of steps and it's, there's still some ambiguity and you're not sure the most appropriate step, what we want to create is a feeling of certainty. 
to be certain or assured that we are on the right path. Now, this is in the context that we are procrastinating. We're not taking action. We're not moving ahead. We're delaying because of the ambiguity. But if we're involved in a bigger project, if we're actually in action in moving forward, we're doing things, we're thinking about it, we're visualizing, we're excited about it, you can still have this level of ambiguity because there's so many moving parts, you can't be certain of anything. There's a comfort, though, with this ambiguity. The other aspect of ambiguity and being in action is when you're doing something new. And because it's new, you're not necessarily sure. You're not certain about what to do or how to do or how it feels. And so it's just a matter of practice, actually being in action. When I first started the podcast, there wasn't necessarily the same amount of certainty on episode 10 or 11 as there is on episode 345. The next unpleasant sensation, next unpleasant feeling is uneasiness. Now, this is one that may indicate it's a signal from your intuition, your other than conscious mind, that maybe perhaps your focus is wrong, that you're actually climbing a ladder that's placed against the wrong wall. You're barking up the wrong tree. It's not for you. And so the flip side of uneasiness is comfort. And so you ask yourself, what needs to be put in place in order for me to feel comfort? And this is more of an inquiry. Am I uneasy because this is new? Am I uneasy because this is wrong for me? If something was to go wrong, what could go wrong? What about this is making me feel uneasy? What could I add? What could I bring in that would promote more comfort? And then what about this situation? What about this intention? Am I not paying attention to? Is there something that's off my radar or is there something that I'm ignoring that I know is wrong. Sometimes this is in a relationship. We feel uneasy about it because we don't necessarily want to be truthful about what's going on. And so we'll tend to push any concerns aside, but there's this underlying level of uneasiness about being in the relationship or being in a job. Or And so this uneasiness is your other than conscious mind begging a deeper question. The next unpleasant sensation is incongruence. And essentially, incongruence is non-alignment. We're not being aligned with our values. We're not aligned with our goals. Our behavior is not congruent with our intention. So how we bring in congruence is aligning our thoughts, our mind, and our actions in a way where we are aligned or congruent, like this behavior will yield a particular result. We can almost forecast it, predict it based on how we're being. And so when we're being incongruent, we ask the question, what behavior would be more in alignment with my intention? Unpleasant sensation number six is fear of failure. Now, when fear of failure comes up, it usually indicates a subpersonality, a part of you that thinks you should be perfect. Or there's a fear that if you do fail, it's going to indicate that, oh, you're not enough. So when we can be in the acceptance of imperfection, we don't have to get everything right. That if we do have something that goes wrong, we can use that information to course correct, to begin again, to adjust our approach. See, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. 
You can actually remember times when you learned how to ride a bike. You fell over many times. You didn't get it right. You ran into a tree. I ran into a telephone pole. I did lay on the ground for a bit with the wind knocked out of me, but I did get it back up on my bike. I began riding again. I also learned how to walk. You probably learned how to walk too, and you weren't really good at it when you first started out. You fell, fell on your butt, you pulled yourself back up, you began again and again and used that information every time you failed as feedback on what to do differently the next time. But if you find fear of failure pervasive, it has more to do with how you see yourself, your self-concept, than actually moving forward. So being in the acceptance that you are imperfect, that you're a human being, not a human doing, you're a human being, and you are in the process of expressing yourself in the world, and you're not going to get it right every time. And that's okay. That's human. The next unpleasant sensation is perfectionism. Now, if you're in action and you have an attitude of perfectionism, of excellence, that may serve you. But usually it indicates there's a sub-personality there that if you don't get it right, if you don't get it perfect, it means that you are less than, less capable, or there's something wrong with you. And so the impetus to be perfect is to please someone else. It's not guided from an inner direction. Now, also around perfectionism in the context of an intention or an outcome is that if you're not taking action, if you're not taking action, if you're not beginning because you feel like you have to be perfect, well, get over yourself. Set yourself a realistic expectation. I'm a beginner. I'm just learning how to ride a bike. I'm just learning how to walk. It's inevitable that I'm going to make a few mistakes along the way. As long as I don't make the same mistake twice and I'm continually making progress, see, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Am I evolving? Am I getting better? Is, you know, Am I working the routine out? Many times when we have this fear of failure and this idea of perfectionism that is stopping us from moving forward, actually getting started, sometimes it indicates we need more training. We need more of the details, more of the instructions, more of the how-to. And because we don't have that information, there's this feeling like we're going to fall flat on our face. So why even start? Now, let's talk about perfection a little deeper. Perfection is this pervasive feeling like it has to be right. But what constitutes that it will be right? What constitutes, you know, the perfect diamond, the perfect situation? Well, there's usually a set of criteria by which we judge the result by. So if you're not taking action because you want to be perfect, ask yourself, what does perfect look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Or let's forget about perfect altogether since there is no such thing. What constitutes a good job? What constitutes an excellent job? What is the minimum viable requirement of the situation? Does it need to be excellent? Does it need to be perfect, quote unquote? How good is good enough? And then you need to ask yourself, if it doesn't meet these standards, what am I making this mean about me? Am I making this determination from a realistic set of standards? Or am I holding myself to some unrealistic expectation? that I could never, ever meet, or that nobody else could meet. Okay, uncomfortable sensation number eight, lack of motivation, lack of desire. The flip side of that is intrinsic interest, ultimate desire. I really want it. So how do you build desire? 
Well, you focus on the positive aspects of it. You focus on the possibility. You focus on why you want it. If everything went right, if everything went according to plan, how good would it be? How good could it be? Maybe you want to generate an extra 1000 to $5,000 a month. You start associating to what would it be like? What would you see? What would you hear? What would you feel if you had an extra one to $5,000 coming in every month? What would you spend the money on? How would it change your lifestyle? What would it make possible? What could you buy? How would it change your life? And in your mind's eye, live into that. Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. If you're attracting a new car, go down to the dealership and test drive that car. Be like Goldilocks and try different cars out. Which ones really feel right? Which one feels the best? Develop some very real physical sensations associated with that outcome. Now, the other night I had eaten dinner. I was full. I didn't want anything. And I'm not typically a dessert person. But my wife and I sat down and we were watching an episode of the best British baking show. And it was dessert week. And we saw dessert after dessert being baked and prated and the different tastes and different textures. And suddenly, I wanted some dessert. I began thinking about what's in the fridge, what's in the freezer, what can I make, what can I put together? And I found myself, oh, I'm thinking about dessert because of the show. My desire was increased because of what I was focusing on, what I was thinking about. And so to build desire, focus on what you want. Focus on the attainment of it, the impact, the positive impact of realizing that goal, of living into it. Remember Neville Goddard, assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. When you can live in that, there's a natural attraction to it. You want it. You love it. I love feeling that feeling. Usually, lack of motivation, lack of desire is focusing on what could go wrong, what you don't want. Unpleasant sensation number nine is imposter syndrome. This feeling of insecurity. I don't know enough. I'm not enough. It's all about not being enough, given you know the role that you're stepping into or the intention that you're going to create. Am I up to the task? Usually this feeling of the imposter syndrome begins when you're beginning. It, it's there because you're insecure about your capabilities, about your capacity. When I first began my coaching journey, I had that there for myself. Who am I to be a coach? Who am I to coach others? I mean, what qualifies me? Underneath that insecurity, I realized I may not know everything. And so when I really looked at what was underneath that insecurity was the possibility that I didn't know everything. I might encounter a situation where I had never handled it before. Maybe maybe I would fail. And then I remembered there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And so on the flip side of the imposter syndrome of this insecurity is a feeling of self-efficacy, that you have the ability, you have the, the wherewithal to meet the challenge. And so you practice. You practice with yourself. You practice with other people. You practice until you have a feeling of competence. You might want a certification. You might, you know, take a class, take a course. But this is something to realize, that you're going to feel a certain amount of insecurity when you're beginning something new. That's just par for the course. That's, par, that's normal. And that was there definitely in the beginning for me. Today, I've worked with thousands of people, thousands of people. I've dealt with just about every situation under the sun. And still today, every now and then, I encounter a new situation. But instead of feeling insecure, what's there for me 
isn't this interesting? This is fascinating. I wonder how I'm going to deal with this. When you get tangled up doing the tango, you simply tango out of it. And so it's a process. And if I'm committed, if I will not declare defeat, then I will continue. Change my approach until I get the result that the customer, the client, is looking for. So in that process, I've declared myself a champion for the customer. I am unstoppable. I will not quit. So just to sum this up, in order to handle this feeling, this unpleasant sensation of the imposter syndrome, of the insecurity, just accept that it's always going to be there when you're first starting out. So again, this is in the context that you're not taking action because you feel like an imposter. You feel insecure about moving forward. And the mistake we make is thinking that we should not feel insecure, like it's unnatural to feel insecure. It's unnatural to feel any doubt. We live by this mistaken idea that we're supposed to be confident in every situation. Well, confidence only comes after you do something. What's required to overcome this insecurity, what's required to overcome these feelings of doubt, is to move forward with courage. And courage is a slap in the face of fear. Courage is not possible without fear. It's not possible without doubt. It's taking action in spite of the idea, in spite of the knowing that you don't have it all figured out, that you're going to have to figure it out as you go. You improvise, adapt, and overcome. It's having the confidence in your ability to respond. And all that's required is you respond to the best of your ability. And the more you respond, you get a result. You get better and better over time. Unpleasant sensation number 10 is discomfort. We're just uncomfortable with doing the task or doing the work, or we associate discomfort with moving forward. And if we're uncomfortable, we're not going to take action. We're not going to move forward. We're not going to be in the desire of it. We're not going to be motivated. And so we ask ourselves, how can we switch the frame? How can I make this fun? How can we gamify it? How can we turn it into a challenge? In the context of me working on my garage, I ask myself, I'm only going to give it 15 minutes. I wonder how much I can get done in the next 15 minutes. I wonder if I can create a visible difference in the next 15 minutes. And then at the end of 15 minutes, if I want to continue, I will allow myself to continue. Another way to handle discomfort is to change the frame around it. Because a lot of times people think that it should not feel uncomfortable. It shouldn't, there should not be any discomfort in any task. I've had people tell me, I don't go outside in the summertime because it's hot. And I say, well, you live in Texas. It is hot in the summertime. It's going to be hot. And so there's a certain amount of acceptance. I'm going to go outside, but it's going to be hot. And then I accept the fact that I'm probably going to sweat, that I'm going to need to take a shower. And then I think, oh, it's going to be so refreshing to take a shower when I'm done. The way I've used this for myself is I turn it into a game, I gamify it, I ask myself how much fun or how much fun can I create doing this? Because you can do important things and have fun. And when you decide to have fun, that's the attitude and that's how you are being in that event, in that process, then it makes all the difference. It's in how you're thinking about the situation. See, discomfort or effort is relative. In order for something to be uncomfortable, you need to compare it to something else. If something just is the way it is, you just handle it, you just deal with it, and then you get it over with. I've always loved the phrase, the sooner we get started, the sooner we can get done. 
Another process that I've used, a mental process, is I take on the attitude of an automaton, like I'm a robot. There's no emotion involved. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it as effectively as I can. I'm not going to give myself the luxury of having any emotion about this activity. So you just put that aside and you do it. It's developing a relationship with the discomfort that is there to be overcome. It's a challenge to your ability to be creative. It's a challenge to see how you can respond in the face of difficulty. I think of it in terms of a quote from James Allen's book, As a Man Thinketh. Circumstances do not build character. Circumstances reveal character. And so when something's difficult, I want to be the one that can respond to it, that can overcome it. I'm not going to be stopped by that. It's a decision that we make ahead of time. So to recap it, not being in alignment means that there's some negative kinesthetic, some negative sensation that is there as we think about our intention, as we think about the steps that are required in order to fulfill on our intention. So through a shift in thinking, a shift in acting, a shift in in processing, we can bring ourselves into alignment. There's a number of different ways, a number of different components and variables that are there for us to look at. And hopefully you found value in this list to be able to identify what's in the way of you being in alignment with your intention, in alignment with the outcome that you desire. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. <laughs>